Well, good evening again, brothers and sisters, and welcome again to our Bible study. Just a word before we get into the study tonight. I'm well aware of all of the news that's coming out and playing off on YouTube and around the world. There's a lot of talk about digital mark marks on people. There's a lot of talk about new world order governments. There's a lot of talk about prophecies that's been fulfilled right in front of your eyes. And though it should make you excited because the coming of the Lord is near if all of these things fall into place, I want to calm your heart tonight. Because if you look at the world and you look at the events in the world, it can make you anxious. But we need not to be anxious because God is still in control. And although it might feel with all of the messages you get that it is spinning out of control, he is in control and he knows exactly what is going to happen at what time. As you know me and I've thought so many times, I believe in the rapture of the church before the tribulation period. And I just want to say we're not in the tribulation period yet. And maybe I will bring a teaching around that in the near future. But most of all, I want to concentrate on the Word of God. And I want you to concentrate on the Word of God. If you take in an hour, two hours a day of the messages that's coming in from the outside, I want you to spend an hour and two hours in reading the Word. Because that will make your soul and your, your, your calm and, and, and peace at heart. So that is important for me just to talk to you about that. So back to our study. We are studying... Uh, the discipleship. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, we follow Jesus and his doctrines. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at God. It is important for us to know who God is, to know him, his mercy and his grace. If somebody asks you who is God, you need to be able to tell him who God is. Not only to be able to tell him, but in your personal worship to God, it is important to know who He is and what He's like. So we looked at His nature first of all, and, and we've learned that God is spirit. He hasn't got a body like you and me, and although the Bible talks about His hands and His arm is not too short, here and His eyes and His ears, God is spirit. And we need to worship Him in spirit and truth. Not only that, but the Bible declares God is love. He's not trying to be love, but He is love. And if you know these things, then it will build your spirit. It will build your faith. We not only saw that, but we also saw the Trinity of God, the triunity of God, that this God whom we serve is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is not one being. And the importance of knowing that is that it separates him from any other gods. Though saying that they are gods is giving them a compliment which is not. For there is only one God and it is the triune God. The God whom we serve. So we looked at his trinity and then we looked at his attributes. How wonderful to know God's attributes. He's omnipresent. So... Wherever you are today, wherever you are tomorrow, wherever your children is, wherever your wife, it doesn't matter. God is everywhere at the same time. These are critical to know because there's none other 
Who can make a claim like that? Yet, the God that we serve make that claim. He's omnipotent. Think about this. He's all-powerful. There's no power upon the face of the chasms of time who is more powerful than our God. He's omniscient. So he's, he, he knows everything. He knows even my next thought. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He, the, the scientist looking at this virus and, and trying to digest the virus, which I personally believe is man-made in a lab, but we'll get to that at another stage. But they are looking at this virus now, trying to get an antidote to this virus, a vaccine to it. God knows it already. He is outside of time and he knows all the chasms of time. He knows my beginning and my end. It's good to know there's no one like him who knows that. Not only that, he's immutable. So yesterday, today and forever, he's the same God. Why am I repeating these things for you? So that you know that he's your anchor and he holds every person through the, through the Bible. If you go into the Old Testament, every one of them, they talk about this rock of my salvation. Do you know him? And this is the critical thing about this. Look, I haven't got fancy words for that. I don't want to be the oracles of man, but I just want to tell you who he is. He is a faithful God. Then we looked at his virtues. Think about the virtues of God. What is the virtues of God? We saw his holiness. God is a God of holiness. You remember the angels and since our last Bible study, they were constantly standing there next to the throne and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, almighty. This is a holy God. He's a righteous God. I want to know that I serve somebody who's righteous. He's holy and he's righteous. And he's truth. He, he's not trying to be truth. And I'm not want to say truth can be found in him. He is truth. And if you hold on to him, his truth comes inside of you and you operate in that truth. He is love. God is love. He's not trying to be love. And remember, for you and for me, love is a commandment. It's a choice. Not for God. That is who he is. That's part of his nature, his virtue. Then think about his mercy and his grace. Oh, but for the grace of God and the mercy that saved my soul. So this is God. This was our first uh, venture into discipleship to see who God is, whom we are serving, what he is like. Though we can't see him with our natural eye, we can learn about him and learn him more. So what is the next step then? What do we need to learn next then? Well, it is what is man. Because God created us and we are here on this planet and we serve God. But we need to know ourselves as well. And the Bible says, is, what is man? Let us turn in the Bible now to Psalm 8. And we're going to read now from the psalmist who writes about man. Let's read from verse 3. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, 
what is man? There is a theme for our, our teaching tonight. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? This is a question that will consume your whole life. What is man that you are mindful of me? Who am I? Who are you? And the person next to you and the people that you walk down the street and you see all of them. Who are they that God, this God to which I just explained to you, this holy God is mindful, is thinking about us. So that question is then a very good question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And then he says, even the son of man, that you visit him. Not only mindful, but that you visit him. For you have made him little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have crowned man with glory and honor. It's so wonderful. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And this my dear friend, makes us different from animals. This nullifies evolution because God has put us in charge of this universe or, or, or of his handiwork. And think of that. What kind of handiwork is he talking about? The next verse says it in Psalm 8 verse, verse 7. He says, all sheep and ox, even the beast of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the sea. So what is man? We need to understand man now. We need to look into ourselves now. We know now who God is and what he's like. And now we're going to look at man. We can never be above God. We can never be like God. We can never be small messiahs. But what is man? Now, when we look at this passage and he ask the question, what is man that you are that you are mindful of him. The Hebrew word there is the word Enosh. And that is for mankind. So man there is not only male, but it is mankind, male and female. Enosh. What is Enosh that you are mindful of him? And then he says, even the son of, of, of man. And the word then therefore in Hebrew is the word Adam, which we get our word Adam from. And this is the same word that is used for Adam, the first man on, on the planet. So it is very interesting to understand and to try to find out what the psalmist had, how close the psalmist must have been to God at that moment to ask him this question and to try to find an answer for that. For the, for, for the next half an hour, let's see if we can find some answers in the word of God to this question. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You've made him little lower than the angels. And we can spend a whole hour on that. How we are different from the angels. Yet we were clothed with glory and honor. So we, we first look in Psalm 139. And I love Psalm 139. I, I often use it when we dedicate children. I use this psalm. Because he talks about the creation of man. So if you want to think about man and we want to understand man, then we need to think about creation. How are we created? Where are we created? And I think you and I know. We are born within the mother's womb. 
But God told told us this in the Bible. Look at uh, Psalm 139. We read from verse 13. He says, For you formed my inner parts. Who formed it? You have formed it. This omnipresent God, this omnipotent God, this all-powerful God, this omniscient God who knows everything, He formed every single baby upon the planet of the earth. And this is why it is a tragedy that so many babies are aborted. But let me continue on before I get sidetracked. He says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. How beautiful is this language here. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows ever well. My frame is not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance. Here we go again. The substance in the womb. God's eyes see that substance, and it will be accountable that substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they were written. They were written from that substance. It's in the book of God. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What a wonderful passage that God gave us here. He says that you have made me in the inward part and you know everything. So what is what do we learn and, and what does this man say of himself in this passage? He says there in verse 14, I'm fearful, fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Whenever you feel down and out, whenever people talk you down, whenever people is against you, when they reject you, when they walk away, know this, that God knows you. And he made you fearfully and wonderfully. You are a wonderful creation. That's what man talks about himself in this passage. And then just before you think too big and too highly of yourself, it brings us back to our creator in verse 14. He says, and this is what man say of God, marvelous are your works. So this is what God has created us. And, and how wonderful is His works. You and I had no say in it. I mean, look at me today. Look at my face. Look at my arms. Look at my body. I had no say in it. I had absolutely no say in it. Um, if I look at my brothers and my sisters, my brothers both still got hair. My um, sisters, you know, there's different features. But praise God. You know, some of them might have a smaller nose, some of them have smaller hands. I don't know. But God made me wonderfully and fearfully. And how marvelous is the works of God. And this is what, you know, I'm satisfied with my body and I'm satisfied with my face. And I'm satisfied with every part of me. Because God made me. Wonderfully and fearfully. That's how God made me. And this is the first thing that we need to know about yourself. Remember, we looking at man. What is man? And first of all, you need to make peace with your body you're living in right now. I know. I know some people say, oh, I've got a big chin and I'm going to do this, you know, this and I, I'm going to put, put Botox here. I, I know all of this stuff. Just to look a little bit better or 
And the problem here is sometimes we, we call, you know, we see other people and, and we see a nice feature about them and say, so, oh, we like that feature. And the only reason we like it more than is, is because we measure ourselves against them. And we go, yeah, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to make my ears smaller, whatever it is. You know where I'm going with this. Remember this, God made you. We are His, His marvelous works that He made us. And also be known. It is not for us to look at other people and laugh at them for how they were created because it's God's work. We need to remember that. The first thing that we learn about man in this passage is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we are God's workmanship. So, we were created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27. We were created in God's image and in His likeness, which is so wonderful. And we know that God is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But so He made us a trichotonomous being. Excuse me. So trichotonomous means a three-part being. And I know, I know, and I... I just want to say at this point in time, I'm by far not the final word on every single theological aspect of the Bible. I just bring to you the teaching, which is my understanding, and then a lot of research around this, which is research out of the word for scripture to back scripture, and then to test against uh, men of God who stand on the word of God. So I by far know there's a lot of discussions around trichotonomous and dichotonomous beings, and there's a lot of things about but my understanding of the scripture is the following trichotonomous is three-part being so in a way you can say god is trinity three-part man is trichotonomous we're not trinity we're not god's level but we consist out of three parts and that is what the bible tells us here so let's open up in 1 thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 and we see here Paul talks about the body. And he gives us a hint here. He says, Now may God of peace himself sanctify you. That means to set you apart. Completely. And may your, now listen to this, your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of your Lord Jesus Christ. So what have we seen here? Paul Paul is praying, Paul, Paul is writing, he says, may we be kept, set apart, and may we be kept our whole spirit, soul, and body. Three parts, trichotonomous. I know some people say that the spirit and the soul is one. That makes it a two-part being, which is dichotonomous, two parts. But why would Paul then break it up between three parts? Again, there might be studies out there, there might be books out there. And I'm not saying that they are wrong, but I'm just holding on to the scripture here in context what it says. In fact, for a backup scripture, we go to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And we know that scripture so very well because he says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And now listen to this part. Now he says, this this Bible, which he says, is like a sword. What do you do with a sword? You cut. Okay, you cut. He says the sword is piercing even between the division of soul and spirit. 
soul and spirit. So he can cut between the, the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and the in, intents of that. So Paul says, body, soul and spirit or spirit, soul and body. Uh, Hebrew writer, which I believe is Paul, says the same thing. He says that the word of God can cut between the soul and the spirit. But let's continue. So, this talks about three parts then, when Paul talks to us about this. He talks about three parts. The body, and the body operates in the physical world. We do that every day. I'm sitting here physically in this room. Um, I go to work, I get in my car physically, I drive in this world, I live in this cosmos and I live amongst people. So that is, this is the physical world the body operates in. And we're going to now unpack that, okay? Because remember well, what is man? We learn more about ourselves now. But also the soul. And the soul is the psychological world. The psychological world. That goes a little bit deeper into man. And we've got a lot of things to learn about that. And then he talks about the spirit. And the spirit talks about the spiritual world. And my dear friend, you need to understand these concepts. Because there is a lot of false and misguided teachings out there. Which confuse these three different parts. But if you understand and know who God is. And what he's like. And you understand and know who you are. Then they can't catch you with these. So... First of all, let's look at the purpose for the body. We know that we're living in this world, in this physical body. And we operate and we eat and we do a lot of things with this body. But what is the purpose that God has made this body for this world? What? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And again, there's so many scripture verses. You can go in and find any scripture verses that will back this up. But for time's sake, I'm just going to keep to this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body, that your body, your physical body, what? What don't we know, Paul? Don't you know that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So there you were thinking the purpose for me is to make life and to do all of these things. Yes. Yes, God created you to procreate. God created you to fill the earth. God created you to have dominion of all of the other things. This is in Genesis. And that still stays the same. But over and above all of those things, my dear friend, this is the purpose that God made us. That our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God instructed the people to build him a house. He said, who will build me a house? David set out, out to build a house for God, for him to live in amongst the people. He sinned. He couldn't complete that. Solomon was the one who had to finish it. 
uh, when they went through, even before they, when they went through from, from Moses' time, they had the tent of tabernacles and the, the cloud of God will come down and visit man and it will go back. But forever there was a desire for God to live amongst his people, to have his own house, his own habitation amongst his people. The problem with that was in the temple, he was living there and they had to go there to visit God. Remember, he's omnipresent, but this is man's view. And he had the holy, and the holy of holies. But poor man like me, a Gentile or a, a normal Jew, couldn't go into the holy of holies. This is just none. You couldn't go in there. Only the priest once a year. But God lived there. And then in the New Testament, what happens? It says Jesus said, "I'll pray the Father, and He'll send you a new Comforter, who will be with you and in you forever." Who's the Comforter? The Holy Spirit. So, what is the purpose for this body? First and foremost, it doesn't matter what role you've got, how much money you've got, what status you've got. The first and foremost, the first and foremost, is that your body is the temple, is the house of the Holy Spirit, who is in you. Again, Paul says, and whom you have from God. So that is the purpose for the body, is to be a home for the Holy Spirit. Are you a home for the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? We're going to address all of these things in depth. But let me just say now, when you bow and when He saved your soul at the cross, His Spirit comes and lives inside of you. So that is one of the purposes for this body. Open up in Romans chapter 12. Let's look what Paul writes to Romans about this body. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore. The word beseech there is I beg you. I urge you. Brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. This body. Hands. This body. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. So what is the purpose of this body? The house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, but also to do service in His name. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We have to use this body to work for God. That's one of the reasons for this body. Open up in Romans chapter 6. We'll, we're just going to look at 3. Romans chapter 6 verse 12, Paul again writes to them, he says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. How can sin reign in your mortal body? This is the mortal body the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Paul says that, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin? But again, let's keep to the word. Uh, Romans 6 verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself, present yourself to God as being alive from death and your members as an instrument of righteousness to God. Why is this body built? Number one is for the temple, the house of God. Number two is to do service in his name. And number three is to live righteous in front of God. He says it at the end of that verse there, your members as an instrument of righteousness to God, to live a life acceptable to Him. 
So that's the purpose of the body. So we operate in three dimensions, the body. So let's look now at the soul. And this is the psychological world. The Greek word here for soul is the word suche. Suche. And that's where we get your English words from psychologically, psycholo psychology, and also psychic. Psychic. And you know exactly what I talk about. You go to a market and there sits a lady there and she's a psychic. Because she can read, you know, your psyche. She can read your inner part, what's hidden. So as you can see the body, you can't see the soul. This is what these psychics tab into. Um, they hijacked it. The devil hijacked us. God gave us a psyche. God gave us a shuhe. And this is the world where our soul operates in. So your psyche consists of intellect. This makes us different again from the animal world. It's the intellect that we've got. We understand things. We can plan things. We can create and we can do and, and all of these things. And our soul is there to help us with this. So let's open up in Job chapter 6 and we read about this. In Job chapter 6, he says, he says, Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in white of an egg? <laughs> Very good questions. My soul refused to touch them. My what? My soul, my intellect. My intellect is telling me it's, it's tasting bad. My soul refused to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant me the thing that I long for. That is born in the, in the psyche. So we see that we've got intellect. We can determine and, and distinguish between food which is, is, is saltless and it needs salt. Animals don't. I've, I've got dogs. And quite honestly, if I give them food or meat without any salt, and they devour it. They won't be like you and me saying, oh, wait a minute. Give me two bucks if you want salt. Woof, woof. It doesn't work that way. And this is our intellect, which is seated and embedded, embedded in the soul, in the psyche of man. Not only do we in our psyche have intellect, we've also got emotions. Emotions. Ecclesiastes. When uh, the writer Solomon writes about the whole Ecclesiastics, he says a time under the sun for everything. He comes to this part in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4. He says, there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. So these are in our psyche, it's embedded there, it's our emotions. Now I know some people say, <clears throat> my animals get sad and I can see when they get sad and, and they can dance around, but they, don't, they can't distinguish between that, like you and me can. We can at a different level from them. It all is in our soul, in our psyche. Um, but, so... We've got intellect, we've got emotion in, in, in our soul, but also we have a will. This, this is man, we've got a will inside of us. 
Uh, let's open up in John chapter 7. And I want to repeat myself that there are so many scripture verses. I'm just handpicking a few out of them here. But there's plenty that I can follow this up with. In John 7, 17, he says, uh, If anyone wants to do his will, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if anyone wants to do his will, you've got to operate in your will to do his will. It's not going to happen just like that. And again, if you look at animals, things happen just like that. They, you know, if you like take cows, for instance, they just graze. They graze and, and to that side. It's not as, as if they're going to decide one day, let's eat in a nice circle all of this up and then we do it in blood. There's no will for them to do this. But for us, we've got a will. He says, if anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. He shall know whether he's from God or whether he speaks on his own authority. So we've got an intellect, we've got emotions and we've got a will. So what is the purpose then for the soul? If we, we looked at the body and now, and we've looked at the purpose for the body, now we need to look at the purpose for the soul. Why did God create us body and soul? Why do we have a soul? Why didn't he just create us like the animals? So let's look the purpose for the soul in Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 16, and again, you can stop the video, you can open up there, and I want you to open up in your own Bible. Don't just wait for the scriptures to come up on the screen and just go through. For you to understand is you need to listen to this teaching over and over again. So that it becomes second nature to you and the scripture verses. And you understand and know yourself. Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. What is the covenant? I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds and I will write them. Uh, I will write them. So what is this? What is the purpose here? Is to be able to understand and act on the laws of God in our hearts and minds. So he gave us the soul, which has got an intellect, which has got emotions, and which has got a will. That's what he gave us. Now use all three of those things and purpose them for what God has written in his laws. And now he says in that passage, he's written them in your hearts. So it's not only book knowledge. Because think about this. I've had, I've had a small um, rainbow lorikeet. And you can teach that lorikeet to, to be like a parrot saying things after you. Good morning, Max. Good morning, Max. And that's all he will say. And this is what some people do. It's there and they will learn it like a parrot. It's just head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge. But this scripture says, says I will put my laws into their hearts, into their soul. For what purpose? is to understand and to act upon it. This is why God gave you a soul. It's to understand and to act on His laws. It's not only the Ten Commandments, it's all the laws, which has been fulfilled in Christ. Um, open up in Romans chapter two again, uh, 12 again. Romans chapter 12. And I love this verse from, from Paul. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember, 
He said in verse 1 that we need to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your reasonable service. Now in verse 2, it, it is moving away from the body now and he goes into our psyche. And again, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Where do we get conformed to our world? Through our minds, through our eyes, we see this stuff and it goes in and we want to do it. And our willpower, which sits in our psyche, in our soul, our willpower holds back or let go. And here he says that our willpower by the renewing of your mind to the word of God needs to keep us away from those things and to do what is the acceptable and good will of God. So there's another purpose for your soul is to, to do the will of God. He gave you the intellect, he gave you the emotions, and he gave you the will to be able to do his will. Are we learning more about ourselves now? You see, God isn't going to put you here to have fun and, and make yourself. By doing all of things, we get satisfaction out of that. So we look then into, let's open up in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. He says there, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And, and I just read that out of, out of that context there. But you need to go and see what, what mind was in Christ. He says he wasn't, he couldn't find it robbery to be equal with God, but came down, lived amongst us, and he was found in the body of a bond servant who gave himself for us in a sacrificial love. That's the kind of mind that we need to have, that Christ have. And to have Christ's mind, we learn from his word and we learn from his behavior. So again, he gave us intellect, he gave us um, emotions, and he gave us the will to be able to have the mind of Christ in our psyche, in, in our psyche world. So, there we have the purpose of the soul. So, this brings us to the spirit. Remember, Paul says three, body, soul, and spirit. He had it the other way around, but I'm just teaching through this way. Man's spirit is meant for the spiritual world. And let me just again say that this particular passage here doesn't allow us, it doesn't say that we need to get in touch with the occult now to start walking in the spiritual realm now. No, this is the spirit that is living in man. This is the spirit that we're talking and only the Bible can deal with this side of things, with the spirit. Psychology can't. And this is what we need to understand. Our spirit makes us see, see God, to look for God. Uh, well, let's open up in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. He says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in my Savior. Look at these words now here, which, which is chosen here to write this. Mary said, My soul that's that word, that Greek word, suche, which is the psychic side of things, which is that. My soul magnifies, Lord, and my spirit. He uses the Greek word, pneume. Pneume. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So the spirit, the purpose for the spirit that God gave us is to seek after God. Is to seek Him. Another verse, John chapter 4, verse 23. Let's read this now. He says, But the hour is coming, 
and now is. When true worshippers will worship the Father, listen now, in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So our spirit is seeking to worship God in spirit and truth. This is the purpose of the spirit. And Proverbs chapter 20 verse 27, final scripture for the night. Uh, the Proverbs writer writes down, he says, The spirit of man is the lamb of God, the lamp, the lamp of God, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So there's a two-way side, you know, the spirit searches inside, but it also searches for God. Now, this is the man. This is who man is. So God created us. Wonderfully and fearfully He created us. He gave us a body which is operating in the world. And the body is the closest to the world because it's the lust of this body or, or the, the, the tastes of this body that we want to satisfy. But there is a purpose that God made this body for. For Him as a home and to use it as an instrument and to worship God. But He also gave us a soul and the soul has got a purpose. It's got an intellect, it's got a emotions and it's got a will. And then He gave us the Spirit. My friend, brother and sister, think about these things during this week. And like I started off, this is way more, way more interesting to study these things than to get caught up in every other things around us. Buy the time out. Use the time now to sit and read a chapter a day. But learn more about God. Learn more about yourself. Now, I understand it's different now. It's not the mainstream that is teaching coming out now and it's me and it's all about me and it's all about me. No. If you understand who you are and the purposes that God created you to live on this planet, the privilege that He gave you and me to live on this planet, the privilege that you were born where you were born, the privilege that you got the, 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 the raising that you got, the privilege that you could study at school, can read and write, all of those things by the grace and the mercy of God. To be of service to Him. That is the ultimate. That is what we need to desire. Now I leave you then with the question again. And, and maybe you've got the answer now. What is man? That you are mindful of Him. When God is mindful of us. First of all He's mindful of us through His grace and His mercy. But then there's a responsibility upon you and me. All of these purposes that I told you now is a responsibility. And God is mindful of that. Or the Son of Man that you visit Him. That God visit us. He gave us His Spirit. He sent His Son. In a few weeks we're going to look at who Jesus was. And we're going to study Jesus like we've done God. And we know Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. But we're going to have an in-depth look at him. Now we know God. Now we know man. And I don't know, I might next week flow over a little bit more about man. There's so much to say. Maybe we have a second session about man next week. But, but think about these two concepts. Because once we understand God, once we understand man, 
we will then eventually find out that man in his sinful nature has got no rights to approach a holy God. Once we know the attributes of God, the virtues of God, and that will make you understand and appreciate your salvation much more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your written word. And we thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you created us fearfully and wonderfully. That you knew about our substance even before we were created. And that you knew in your mother's womb. And Father, that you know our days. Thank you, Lord, for the comfort we have in you. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in this world, in the body, in the soul, and in the spirit, Father, to please you. In Jesus' name, amen.